0: Alright, so you guys having a good summit so far? Pretty cool? Yeah, so um it's really interesting. I'm really I, I really, really like the theme for this year, for this summit, uh the power of participation. And um what I was doing is, is, I, is I was listening. I was sitting in some of the sessions at Dev Nation and, and some of the sessions at the summit. And there are a couple of things I wanted to share with you guys before we uh, turn it over to our panelists. Um, one of the interesting things I, I saw, like when we think about participation, um, I, I saw a presentation by uh, David Aronchik. For, he's a product manager for Kubernetes at Google. And um, you know, he was talking about Red Hat's participation with Kubernetes, about how we've done a lot of the work with uh, stateful application support and identity and authentication support, and you know, those are the types of things that we are really, really, we think are very, very important. Because for a lot of our customers, they can't go immediately to stateless applications. They have a lot of traditional applications that they want to move into a platform as a service, and we're able to do that by working together with, with Google. Um, and one of the interesting things that David said uh, is that uh, he, took, he did the math, and he saw that it, it was 233 person years of contributions in the uh, 24 months uh, since the first com- commit of Kubernetes. 233 person years, and that wasn't all Red Hat. That was part of the larger community between Google, between Red Hat, and all the other contributors. So that was pretty cool. So, but but you think about that, you know, the power of participation. You know, obviously Red Hat, yeah, sure, we're in open source. Uh, so that's something we do. That's what we do for a living. We have thousands of engineers that all they do is they write code and give it away as part of the community. But what about our customers? Uh, so I saw I saw I was over in the Executive Exchange, and I saw a presentation by Amadeus, and then I also saw Matt Hicks, who's our Vice President of Engineering for OpenShift. And um, between both of their sessions, I, you know, I, 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 Matt said that uh, you know Amadeus was all in with OpenShift three from the very beginning of when it launched. Actually, um, they and the reason why they were committed so early was that that as a customer, they were actually a participant in the open source community with OpenShift Origin before we even came out with OpenShift 3. Um, So this allowed, by them being a participant inside the community, allowed them to get to market faster, beat their competition by being part of a larger community than than themselves. So I thought that was a really cool example of actually customers playing a role in, in that. Um, and then one, one last thing that I saw was uh, this morning from Paul Cormier, uh, where he was citing the, the one open source survey, where he said that uh, 78% of enterprises run open source, okay, 78%. And then what, I, what really blew my mind was he said that 65% of, the, of these companies contribute to open source projects. So I did the math, and you know, 65 divided by 78, that's 83% of the people that are consuming open source are actually playing an active role in contributing back. And so that, you know, so as you guys are sitting here, it's like, you you should be thinking, it's it's like, okay, well, I've seen, like, I've been, uh, it'll be 10 years in February since I've been at Red Hat. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've seen the the pendulum swing from uh, people in government being skeptical of open source to consuming open source to being active participants. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but uh, you know, think about ways that you could participate in the open source community as well. Um, yeah. So with that, let me let me turn it over to our speakers. I, I have a really, uh, I'm really excited about the the lineup that we have. We're going to have a really nice cross section of our panelists. So we got Chris Hampel, who's who will go first and, and tell us about the work that he's doing at, at Booz Allen Hamilton with his team, uh, and and then we have. Uh, Amitav, who's from University of Michigan, uh, really, really interesting story about uh, doing open data uh, to, to help people uh, not only uh, ask, answer questions, but figure out what questions to ask whenever they're doing scientific discovery. And then lastly, we, we have Jeff Blank uh, from the NSA, uh, who's going to tell us about a lot of the work that he's done with the SCAP Security Guide, uh, as well as uh, the work with Common Criteria, um, and doing those things in an open source way. So with that, let, let me turn it over uh, to Chris, and, and do you want to say a few words?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, my, again, thanks, Dave. My name is uh, Chris Hample, who's Allen Hamilton. I uh, lead up the Austin, Texas office. Part of the strategic innovation group. And really in Austin, we focus a lot on uh, uh, public cloud, private cloud, containerization, a lot of cloud brokering, service brokering work we do. Uh, we do been doing a lot of data stuff lately. So a lot of things where we kind of trying to push the edges on things. And we do this for, um, been doing it for a lot of clients, both commercial and federal, uh, plus a bunch of other products that we've been working on. So part of those products is uh, Project Jellyfish, what's all we'll be talking about. Uh, But we've also been doing things with containerization. We've been playing with SDN. What can we kind of push on and kind of um, knowing from working with our customers, where can we try to help move the market? And this is kind of uh, one of the themes we've been working on a lot. So with Project Jellyfish, uh, kind of what, well, first of all, Project Jellyfish is really a, open-source cloud broker that we built. So it kind of sits on top of uh, cloud management tools that allow, delivers a pure self-service user interface. So our feeling is consumers are expecting a uh, consumer experience. Let's deliver that user experience uh, for cloud services. And we first did it. It really came out of some work we did for the Army uh, a little while, a long time ago. And we started evolving this concept of brokering and, and really what was wanted and needed, and creating these abstractions so that people, normal consumers, can get at these services without being, you know, going through an admin or, or doing these whole other processes. So we had, we won a contract with a client, and we actually, Red Hat was part of that work we did for them, and we built um, a service broker application. And after that project, we realized okay, You know, we felt strongly about a number of things, but how could we kind of move this forward? So what we felt strongly about was like, one, is the market we weren't happy with at the time. There's not a, there wasn't a good, there were some good cloud broker type offerings, but they were all proprietary. We wanted, we felt like open source was leading the way in a lot of areas, um, especially across IT. And that's where we thought the market needed to have this. So we, uh, we said, okay, we, we definitely create something that's, that addresses that need. How can we push the market forward? Secondly, how can we? It has to be open source. Um, third, we wanted that open source to be community based. It wasn't just enough that we released the code. This, in our mind, this, especially with brokering that touches so many things, it's so hard for a particular vendor to do that outside of open source was our feeling. Uh, just the rapid transformation of technology. You need these other communities to be engaged. So really kind of fitting into our theme of participation, that was critical for us up front. And it actually fits well for Booz Allen because one of our strengths is we have a lot of people and clients, so we understand, we hear a lot of use cases and needs, but we also have a lot of good partners that we can work with. So, uh, For example, Microsoft built the Azure connector for Jellyfish for us. And that was a perfect, you know, perfect way for them to participate in us, and they built the connector for cloud forms at that point since then. So we, we built Project Jellyfish, and then we decided, okay, we, we know we want to open source it. Booz Allen's never open sourced anything uh, at that point. How could we do this? We'll, we'll figure that out. And uh, that was a whole education process to kind of go through that, and we, we were successful leadership bought in, and it really helped that we had examples such as Red Hat, to say, we could point to models. OK, this model does work. Uh, this is a good way to develop code. It's not just some, some dude in his jammies in his mom's basement anymore. You know, this is something serious. Uh, so we, uh, we, we decided, OK, let's do this. And we went through that process and open sourced it. And we ran with that. And we built community. But we really came back to our whole goal was, how can we, as Booz Allen, have an impact? How can we move the market forward? How can we deliver something we know our customers need that we're having trouble finding something that matches it? And our feeling is really that cloud management and uh, the self-service broker, that really needs to be integrated as tightly as possible. So we'd been working with Red Hat, and um, we, we started talking together and working things out where we ended up saying, okay, I think what makes sense for Booz Allen is let's and makes sense for the community, is let's contribute. So we took that model and uh, took a lot of our code and our developers to add self-service to cloud forms, uh, the self-service UI. So bring the concepts that we felt was important and deliver those into the Red Hat model for that. And I think for us, really what's key with that was it's, it, it fit in that... Our whole goal through the whole thing was, how can we participate, how can we move the model, how can we create things for our customers um, that, uh, that's really what they need when we don't see it in the market? And if there's not that open source model, there was no avenue for us to do that. So by having this community um, model for us to be able to contribute, we can, have, we can do something that's bigger than us, and then we can move on. So then we can take that next level and say, OK, We're great here. Where do we see the gaps? How can we text? So, we're doing things, you know, more containerization, more SDN, more um, other data related things. And how can we kind of take that platform and iterate? Do it again. Say, okay, here's where we're from our customers. We're not quite seeing this. How can we help? So, we can work on that and then we can fold that back into a larger model because we don't really want to be, you know, in the business of, we don't want to set up a whole separate company to do all this stuff. That makes no sense. So that power of community, I think, is really critical for a lot of our stuff, and we've we feel it kind of gives us an avenue to move forward and do new cool things. You know, so that's kind of our story with with, with jellyfish, and uh, I think it's been very fruitful And it. It helps us in a lot of ways. One, it gives us a product that now we can say, okay, um, this is addressing your needs uh, to our customers, but it also um, allows us to have, keep working on the new cool stuff, to be honest, too, so we can hire people. That's a lot easier from the talent I'm trying to get out of Austin, you know, and these people joining Booz Allen, they want to work on the new stuff, right? So it's great for us to be able to then have them do that and then have them be open source contributors, so. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So uh,
0: people, if people want to check out the Project Jellyfish website, where, where should we send them?
1: Yeah, uh, projectjellyfish.org. Okay. Cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. Amitabh, can any uh, can people hear me? Uh,
2: Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, So uh, I am a supporting researcher at the University of Michigan, and uh, we have uh, been doing a lot of interesting projects that I'm going to talk about. But in particular, I want to talk about a product that we have been building called MedBuzz. And the challenge for us is we have over 300 data sources. Uh, with health data, with molecular data, with genomic data, and we need, needed for our researchers to be able to use this data and discover new therapies and drugs. And so what we did was uh, we looked around. We have a lot of vendors, including IBM, which is kind of our main um, uh, infrastructure provider, but we uh, found that there is a, you know, we, we needed an open source and open everything, an open science platform to develop against. And so what we have done is uh, really uh, worked um, in, in open source. We have uh, open sourced our product, and also we um, want to engage in the larger change that is happening today, which is there is a shift from the traditional traditional funding models um, to the new model where NIH is granting in a different way. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, that process. Um, So in traditional uh, projects, uh, when a grant was approved, it was a a grant for the entire uh, dedicated to a a, a PI, a, a principal investigator. And what this person, this faculty would do uh, was build up their infrastructure from ground up. So a lot of the dollars that they had in the grant was spent towards doing the same things over and over again. So we needed a different model where the NIH is uh, sponsoring projects for different uh, universities, different um, uh, medical systems, health systems to come together and collaborate. An example of that is a uh, national-level project that we just got into, a con- uh, into the grant. It's called Patient-Centered Outcome Research Initiative. This is a nationwide uh, initiative, and with the uh, electronic health records uh, rolling in, we still didn't have the ability to run queries across the nation. And this was preventing us from doing uh, research on how do we know what factors are affecting our obesity, how do we know what factors are affecting uh, our um, you know, bone disease, things like that. So what we did was in this project is to bring a common data model, a common data model that will allow, uh, whether you're Centricity or you're Epic Shop or what have you, to bring this data into a common format and then execute this query in a distributed fashion to be able to answer uh, scientific questions. There are other issues around this problem, which is, you know, we just, with health, we have a lot of regulatory requirements. We can't just take the data and start running queries on it. There's a lot of processes that make sure that your research is legit, that you're allowed to do those researches. And in a traditional setting, when I'm as a researcher, I go and uh, fill in my application for a study, and I get the data if I'm approved. But in a distributed, federated network across the nation, how do you ensure that your uh, study gets coordinated across different nodes? Um, So again, we had to think about this delegated uh, IRBs, the uh, institutional review boards, so those are all challenges that we ran into, but if you look at the bottom of this, there is a, a data play. We have to bring the data together and we have to build processes to share that data in a distributed fashion. And what we did was uh, this Medbus platform, this is uh, a distributed model. We've used a lot of Java uh, tooling and Linux on a clustered environment, and uh, what we are hoping to do is to get a participation uh, both in terms of engaging in the project, but also get contributions to the project. Okay. So I know you had slides. Do we want to... Is that good? Or... Um, I, I'll zip through the uh, clouds, uh, the slides, but I think I kind of covered all okay. of them. But let me zip through, because I was looking for my uh, <laughs> oh, clicker. Okay,
0: yeah. So I know Allison was panicking a little bit. Um... Um, oh,
2: there so, it is. Um, this, um, um, so this is uh, who I am. Uh, I, am com- I have a uh, background in computer science. I've been doing a lot of large-scale projects. And I'm a uh, programmer as well, polyglot, different languages. Um, this is our university. That's where uh, a lot of our uh, hospitals are. But we have also many other facilities across. Um, and uh, let's see if this goes through. And uh, this is kind of the size of our, pro- uh, of our enterprise. Uh, in particular, we have the I'm part of the research enterprise, $466 million and uh, operating budgets of $3.3 billion. And so the change is, there is a change, and what we wanted to talk about that change. And uh, with change, there is obviously opportunities, and so we feel like we have made some impact there. Um, and it's a great time to be a developer. <laughs> uh, and primarily in our space is the rise of computation uh, techniques in the biology, where a lot of traditional wet labs where you put you know, molecules and you put reagents and you found out what was happening, and now you're changing that into computational techniques. And obviously that requires a lot of processing, a lot of big data, uh, that kind of thing. So we are uh, thinking along those lines, and um, um, so N- NIH has these principles: the fair, uh, the findable, accessible, interoperable, and reproducible uh, uh, principles. And we are uh, trying. To, so you know, this is this is where it is. You know, if if the, if you look at the trend, it's open everything. And why is that? Not because of altruism, but because it's too slow otherwise. We just can't invent all this innovation. Everything that Chris did, or I, all I need to do now is to use his stuff because he is not encumbered it. So I want to be able to use that. All right. So the major initiatives in the in the, nat- uh, in the national land- landscape is learning health system, which is trying to close the loop between learning practicing and uh, discovery, and then precision medicine, which is about uh, medicine tailored for, for you. And uh, you guys probably heard about Biden's uh, cancer moonshot. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a pretty major one. And for our world, the UM itself, we have a data science initiative, which is about a quarter billion dollar, and we want to engage with the industry as well uh, to build out that infrastructure. Part of that is the Google autonomous cars, so we are the testing site for that, and we are developing a lot of machine learning uh, to do that. Um, so I think... I think I'm going to just zip through this. So uh, new business models emerging. So there's a, all, my point here is there's a lot of opportunity uh, here. Uh, for instance, pills that uh, track. You know, Today our problem is you, you, I may have prescribed you a pill, but did you take that? And so pills, smart pills are coming, which are basically tracking, did you take the same dosage? Did it do the thing that it was supposed to do? So things like that are coming. And this is MedBus, so we built out this data integration in a box. Essentially, you plug in data sources from one end, and you get data on the other end. And and, remember, in our context, we we utilized a JBus product called Data Virtualization, and it's the coolest piece of machinery that I've come across. It basically takes your, you point your data to different sources, whether it's big data or a tiny little Excel spreadsheet and then it manufactures tables out of that, so you can run your SQL queries against it. But not only that, it translates that automatically to services, and you can consume that. In our case, a lot of that is happening through R or uh, SAS, where you can get the data and start doing your uh, uh, complex computations on it. So it allows us to industrialize our uh, service delivery model. And this is all service-oriented architecture. So you can get it through RESTful services, or you can use JDBC, what have you. So I think think the piece is we have identified a core key demand. We believe there is a solution. We need a lot of help in in building this. We've just made the start. And I am hoping that I can get participation and help from this community here. Thanks,
0: Thanks, Amitabh. So Jeff.
3: So, um, whoops, here we go. So, hi, I'm Jeff Blank. I'm a technical director uh, within uh, NSA's Information Assurance Directorate, uh, which is, of course, NSA's defensive mission. Um, I I focus on uh, security analysis of uh, operating systems and application software in my current role. So, oh, yes, I guess there are logos. Um, And so... uh, NSA has been called uh, many things uh, recently <laughs> um, I, I, I might describe NSA uh, first and foremost as a technology organization um, so, and, and indeed uh, uh, one of the reasons I'm here today is to talk about how, uh, we, why we open source things uh, one is for uh, technology transfer if there is a particularly new piece of software or technology uh, that we wish to commercialize or at least share uh, with, with everyone uh, we have a process for that uh, and I'll show some examples in the next slide uh, another one is technical tools, uh, say, for folks running networks. We want to get those out to uh, administrators uh, for, of all national security systems and, indeed, for the wider federal audience. Uh, and open source is often a great way to do that. So we have uh, and again, later slide. We'll show a bunch of examples of that. And so uh, big reason NSA open sources is to advance uh, information assurance mission, which is our, our defensive mission, right? If you have a tool and you think it'll help defend networks, uh, you want to be able to get it out there uh, as widely as possible. And then another one is uh, maximizing dissemination. This way um, provides the best value to the taxpayer. Uh, if you're only providing it to little pockets of people here or there, uh, it's just you know it's a it's bad ROI for for the taxpayer for sure. And so here's, uh, here's an example of uh, open source technology from NSA, from NSA open attestation uh, for using uh, TPMs to provide uh, integrity measurements. Everybody's heard of SE Linux, I think. Thanks also for that mention, Paul, earlier. Um, NiFi is now in the Apache Foundation. Uh, it's for doing uh, network flows uh, or managing network flows. It stands for Niagara Files. You know, get it? Um, And everybody's probably, half the phones in the the room may very well have uh, SE for Android code running on them uh, that confines apps in a way that was much more powerful before uh, that uh, access control system was in place. Uh, SIMP is, uh, uh, along with SCAP Security Guide, uh, helps folks who uh, run operational networks make sure they're in compliance. And uh, Redhawk is software-defined radio uh, uh, stuff. And uh, some of these... Uh, while most of those are for information assurance, some of them may, may have an obvious uh, I- intelligence mission or be driven by intelligence requirements. But still, open source is uh, often the best way uh, to, uh, to maintain uh, that kind of software. And it may have wider uses. Uh, and Cumulo, of course, uh, is for um, doing a cell-level privacy in, in databases, uh, which is important for, for uh, you know, privacy and constraining access. So, and Ozone Widget Framework, of course, you may have, may have seen on your screen at some point. And so these are uh, open source technology examples. Uh, from us. Um, And they've been shared in a a variety of ways, whether it's uh, direct to to industry or whether it's to to GitHub or uh, some other repository. Um, And so also we have a variety of tools uh, that we've put um, on our our external web presences, which is actually the next slide. Uh, One example is uh, control flow integrity, uh, which uh, is a a forward-looking vision for how uh, microprocessors, uh, if they... uh, Implement a few extra instructions could put an end to uh, memory corruption exploitation, and there's uh, proof of concept stuff up there on IED's GitHub site. Uh, we've uh, a lot of this is for uh, not Red Hat's platform, uh, uh, but uh, for for other platforms like uh, AppLocker uh, for application whitelisting type things and uh, certificate authority situational awareness. Uh, since uh, uh, you know it's very important for everybody everybody out there to have uh, all the tools they they could possibly use to defend their networks. Uh, maple syrup is for uh, assessing uh, ARM CPU security features. Uh, Grassmarlin is for industrial control system uh, situational awareness. Uh, Pass the hash tools, that's a problem for some single sign-on systems. Uh, Pass the hash is a problem for some single sign-on systems uh, that allows uh, adversaries to move laterally across the network. And so we've provided some tools uh, on, on the site to, to help people with that, uh, along with event forwarding guidance um, Go secure is a Raspberry Pi uh, implementation uh, for a VPN, uh, also Linux-based, of course. Um, that was a, part of a prototyping effort we've got to, to deliver, uh, you know, secure solutions in a in a, in a very quick time frame uh, that leverage open source as much as possible. And lock levels for uh, I, uh, assessing uh, operationally implemented mitigations on uh, on systems. So these are and lock off is a. Uh, tool for uh, cyber situational awareness that I still need to learn more about to see if it 's uh, in line with uh, our strategy uh, for standards and that kind of thing, uh, but but that 's uh, a rapidly developing space so Oh, sure. And so we have a variety of open source presences. Um, of course, uh, uh, our information assurance Directorate, where, where I work, I think, was uh, one of the earliest ones to, to get a, a site on GitHub. Uh, and for uh, all of you who also live in bureaucracies, um, it did take uh, more than a few months uh, to get all of the, all of the policy uh, and, and legal sorted out uh, for us to be able to have that presence up there. And then a little bit later, the, agencies, the overall agency got one uh, for itself. Uh, Simp, Simp is uh, another another project uh, that was developed in our technology directorate uh, that uh, develops deployment tools uh, to help with compliance. And then uh, on the right, no, bottom red, uh, bottom right, uh, bottom left, uh, Red Hawk uh, software-defined radio software also has its own presence. And then on the top right is uh, something that's of great interest to me these days, uh, which is uh, revamping uh, Common Criteria evaluations. Uh, which had started to take, um, you know, for the last few years, an incredibly long time, and the requirements uh, didn't necessarily address contemporary threats. And so, uh, first, we started by saying we really can't have evaluations take more than 180 days max, and they should be targeted at 90 days. Uh, they really should contain, and the requirements should only be uh, for features that really address threats we care about. Um, And then along those lines, to make the requirements documents move a lot faster and to involve community effort as much as possible, we went ahead and got uh, the approvals necessary to put it on GitHub directly. So we have, um, I want to say, at least a dozen, if not more, uh, uh, protection profiles up there. And indeed, we're even working directly with uh, your Steve Grubb on uh, developing a new one uh, for uh, labeled security that would enable uh, newer style evaluations of features like SE Linux. Mm So in conclusion, uh, you know, NSA actively open sources lots of stuff. Uh, you know, I I would suggest that your government organization is probably doing something that uh, that you might think about. Uh, you know, come on in the, the water's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, well, thanks, Jeff, and and thanks, everybody. So in the spirit of the power of participation, I I would love to get some audience participation with questions uh, for these guys. So if you think of something, raise your hand. We have some folks running around with microphones. Uh, We're video recording this, so we want to make sure we get your question uh, on air. But while you guys think of questions, um, I I have a question for you guys. We we could throw this around. Maybe we'll start with Chris. But... um, I, I don't know if, if Mike Haramis is here. He's the uh, CTO of DHS. He, he presented yesterday at the Executive Exchange. I don't know if he uh, is somewhere else, but it was an interesting quote that he that I wrote down from him that he said yesterday. Um, so he was talking about. Uh, like open source in the context in the context of government agencies, and you know, he's saying that releasing open source is one thing, but agencies need to know how to develop communities. Um, and he said, Red Hat is good at this, and, and but a culture shift is really needed. So, um, I, I I totally agree with him that you know it's like you don't want to just do like a, a code bomb and stick something up on GitHub and declare mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, so, for for each of you guys, maybe and again, we'll start with Chris. How do you build that culture of, of uh, and, and how do you make sure that once you put the code out there, do you need to actually budget for you know, community maintenance and cultivation? And, and you know, because I could imagine if you look at the pie chart of how much time somebody has to spend on engineering versus community culture uh, cultivation, you could actually flip that over time to, uh, so you're spending less time writing code and, and, and by getting more people to join a
1: community. Yeah, yeah. adding, creating the community, that's hard. Yeah. It is not easy stuff. You know, we had hoped, oh, first we were very naive at first. We'll put it out there, and we'll get all these people jumping in. That, it just doesn't organically happen like that. So I think from our perspective, especially for an organization to do it, there does have to be people engaged. It's a lot of marketing efforts, you know, too, of how to get people steps, like, OK, here are some ways you could start. You know, yeah. and, that, and also, I think we always talk about code contributions. Non code contributions. Let's get right. feedback, let's get bug reports, let's get um, kind of little papers describing where you want things to go. I think that's one thing that a lot of people often overlook, and that's yes. where we benefited probably the most. We get some code contributions of the time, which yep. you can get, but getting that non code has been very helpful for yeah. us. So.
0: Yeah, and I, I know, Jeff, you've, you've seen that firsthand with the SCAP security guide where. Um, you know, you'd love a pull request, yeah. right? Yeah. But a bug report works just as, you know, it's, it's, it's the next best thing, uh, as opposed to just people being quiet about stuff. But how, how do you see that from developing that culture with, say, like the SCAP security guide?
3: You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, we call it commercialization, yeah. right? Uh, because as, as part of our tech transfer process, uh, there are very explicit questions asked, like, so why do you want to open source this? Uh, what are your plans? Uh, what industry partner are you working with? Yeah. Um, that, that kind of thing. Um, so um, I think we actually have that culture established. Um, at least, uh, you, know, we, you know, that's run by our research directorate uh, in coordination with our information insurance directorate with regard to um, getting a tools and technology out there. It's mm-hmm. explicitly part of the process and is even written down in, a, in the process itself. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So
0: um, that's, that's a great point. Okay. Armitav, what do you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, for, for me, it was, um, you know, it's, it's a new thing. Uh, health system uh, is, is uh, traditionally very conservative we have lots of regula- regulations, and so um, you know, for for me it was a one-year process to work with our lawyers to kind of figure out how do we actually um, take the code and release it, but not only just in terms of um, intellectual property, but also the liabilities that you may incur, and that's an important one, especially uh, for a faculty standpoint. Uh, a question that faculty often has is, um, you know, can I use this without encumberment and that's an important deal. They want to know what's the story for them. Can they use it or not? And the other uh, facet is, uh, can I build upon this and not get sued for intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. So all of those are important ones. And from an, uh, So we decided to use the Apache uh, software uh, license, and it uh, does help you with indemnification. There is a uh, set of lawyers who are going to help you if uh, you get sued for uh, patents. So there are, there are things that are really important, but it also is important to not run too fast because you're, you have to stay with your culture, and it's an important one. It's a cultural shift, and we're still uh, learning.
0: Yeah, yeah, cause I, and I can imagine, Chris, like... Uh, at an integrator or in the government or in academia, you you know, there's always like, oh, we can't let our intellectual property out. That's that's why we're here. And it's like, and and so how did you from, did you have to do a lot of selling to your management
1: to get them to buy off on it? Uh, you know, really, first it was like education. You know, as part of that buy-in, it starts like, how do we educate people, leadership um, in an organization, to say, okay, this makes sense. I mean, we just invested all this money in this. You're going to give it away? You know, that, that's puzzling at first. Um, but I, like I said earlier, you know, we pushed back. We use examples of Red Hat, but it, as like, hey, this can work. This makes sense. Here's the differentiator it gives us. Here's how it helps our clients. And it just took that education. And after a while, once people started using it and downloading it, it's like, oh, this makes sense. You know, it really it really changed things. And it also does um, you know, for us too, it's a branding thing. It's hard to get the message out like we can say, oh, we have cloud people. You know, we're doing these cool things with service broken. Well, show us. Okay. Let's build something. Here we show you, we understand all the issues. We built through this, we can talk about like, why did you build this? Well Ten clients said this, and this is why. And so it gives you very much, especially with that trend even in RFPs and proposals now for government work, is like, don't just tell us about it, build something. Yeah. So this gives yeah, us that base we
4: can work off of.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, who has a first? Uh, oh, we've got a question over here.
4: Um, thank you for sharing this openly. <clears throat> I think uh, one of the first things I'd like to see open source is, uh, Amitava, your slide of the uh, Swiss army knife. Uh, <laughs> And the point of that knife, really, is it's not just about software. It's about the whole organization. And uh, we were one of the first ones to come up with cloud brokering. And we wrote the software first, and then we said, no, that's not what we should do. We'll just open source, we'll create it. It took about four years. Mm -hmm. So hopefully now, with all of this coming, there will be much faster innovations everywhere. So I want to ask each of you, what are the areas that you're seeing uh, open innovation happening In IoT, for instance, we do a lot of playing with it, but everybody's trying to build their own ecosystem, and at some point in time, we're going to have to determine which way to go, or will it be open source? So each of you, what are the big areas that you see open source benefiting from that maybe we haven't seen yet?
1: Sure, sorry, I can start. (laughs)
4: Um,
1: Yeah, I I think we're seeing it now is... A lot around data and the handling of data and the transport and the wrapping of data um, and the integration of systems like you're showing today. I'd like to see that. Um, we have a lot of clients that are involved in that. Also, the networking side, you know, we've been talking a lot about that, and that's kind of pushing down those layers in that. You know, we want to create that abstraction. We're always anxious to automate it, and then we kind of run into these obstacles. Open sourcing of that and coming up with these... Uh, common platforms for that is something I think we see a bunch of, I'd uh, like to see. IoT, for sure. You know, I'd like mm. to s- definitely see a lot more in there. The, the different platforms and proprietariness of that is, is causing some trouble for us at times.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I, I think if you look at the stack and with the emergence of cloud, there's a, a need for a cloud operating system, right? It's, it's a distributed operating system. So that's what is happening. If you're seeing that trend where containers and uh, orchestrations, all of those are coming together so that we, as the consumer on top, don't have to worry about these things. And I'm glad, for one, that Red Hat is working on that and other people like Chris are uh, actively working on that. Um, For us, it's about the data uh, to find cure. And every dollar that we don't spend on storage or on orchestration is dollar that we have for finding the next cancer drug and so we want to differentiate on our um, on our research and not on the on, on the on the technology and that's where we are wanting to participate in a community where we can get some of these things and as a part of doing research if we have things that we built we didn't find somewhere else we would be happy to share it because if every other university started doing it, every other organization started doing it, then we would also benefit from that process. So it's the compounding effect of this participation that everyone coming in with their stuff and then leveraging um, the giant shoulders on which we stand. I think that would be the important one for us.
3: I guess there are probably two I, I uh, mention. Uh, one of which is really sexy, and one of which isn't. Um, the one the one that's really sexy is uh, data analytics uh, for cyber defense, right? Uh, bringing in uh, a whole bunch of uh, data points from across the network about events that are occurring uh, to know if um, you know an attack is in progress, that that kind of thing. And there's uh, a lot of that. Um, uh, with, we're doing in partnership with, with DHS uh, and, and NIST uh, to develop open standards along those lines uh, that I think will be, be prototyped and expressed in, in open source ways. Um, the one that we're working a lot on that it unfortunately isn't as sexy uh, has to do with uh, the government developing basic um, IT security requirements and, and getting uh, so that products can quickly be evaluated and given a stamp that says, yes. We know this product has at least a set of features. They've been given some basic evaluation, uh, good to go, which is really only possible even with uh, some classes of product. Uh, things like things in the cloud are moving too fast, right, DevOps, you know, what are you going to do? The, the, the developer's going to ops, right? So, um, uh, but, but, uh, but to the extent possible, we, we do want to speed up um, any, any kind of evaluation processes and we're leveraging open source to uh, speed that up as much as possible.
1: Could I add one more? Day yeah, I think it's more on a, not a technology, but a process, because this is a government room. And yeah. um, you know, we do a lot of work at Booz Allen for a lot of government clients. I wish, and I know there's there's some movement in this, but I wish we could take portions of that that aren't sensitive and push back to the community. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that would be a huge transformation for us. You know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Who's who's next? We've got another question over here.
1: So, you'll get this question probably. Um, We have all this open source, we have all this open data, we have this transparent connectivity, we can get to everything. So now how do we manage who should have access and who should not? And how strong is the trust that you have when you start opening up these very large uh, data sources uh, for the strength of the authentication? So proving yeah. who, who should be there is authorized to be there. So,
0: so I think, Amitav, you have that problem solved. Uh, yeah,
2: well, solved <laughs> is a, a strong word. Uh, <laughs> um, w- this is this is a governance problem, and, and governance uh, is diff- different forms of governance. Uh, you could have local governance, as in the projects that we do at the university, and then we have delegated governance where we... Send our uh, request up to Mayo and then it filters down to all the network uh, nodes in the network. Um, but you know, the point here is that there are, there is a, I, I make just, a lot of people uh, conflate security with governance. And so I feel like, you know, at the infrastructure level, if you have the right controls in place that you've set it up so that you don't have to, for every single project, do that over and over again. And then let, let a policy layer that allows the um, person or a set of committee to manage who gets access or not uh, is is uh, then a policy des- decision and a policy ascription. Uh, the other thing is you need powerful ways to describe these assertions it's uh, it's not perfect. An example in our world is there is uh, regulations that if you're uh, data is being used in a, a, a project and in, we call this secondary use and then you have uh, projects that feed from this other project like you have derivative data. Now if, if I as a patient come in and say I want to retract my data. So it's like you have the sweater and you want to take the wool and put it back on the sheet.
3: <laughs>
2: so we don't have a framework for that but we, we are thinking of, uh, of, of issues like that.
3: I'll I'll go next. Um, uh, This is an incredibly complicated question, and as as much as it's a a governance question, uh, we also see it as a a technology question. Um, And one of the things we're focused on uh, these days is how you identify uh, the individual user. Uh, DoD, of course, has, I think, the largest uh, public key infrastructure in the world, uh, commonly backed by the common access card that you see DoD people carrying around for identity. Um, And uh, so one of the challenges, of course, is how do you make that work with a mobile device? Right, you see, you may, you may see some people have a, a, a CAC reader duct taped to the back of their phone. Right, that's really, uh, it's not just bad for usability; it's also bad for security because they're just not going to use it. Right, or if they are using it, they're just using it to 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 read an email, which they'll then send unencrypted as soon as they can, so they don't have to use the darn thing again. Right. Um, Right. And so, uh, you know, the NIST has done special publications for derived credentials and trying to get those uh, you know, cryptographic credentials um, stored on the device in a secure way. Um, and then, paired with that, often is uh, you use biometrics to allow unlocking uh, and access to those credentials. So, uh, and then, of course, how does the how does the system itself uh, ensure that if it becomes compromised, an attacker can't then export those credentials and masquerade as that user from somewhere else? Um, and that and that's just one set of problems on the on the end user device end there's also the whole set of problems on the back end with regard to processing assertions mm-hmm. and how do you make a policy decision uh, based on on the request coming in so uh, yeah very rich question with uh, very many uh, very many rich problems <laughs>
1: Yeah, i pretty much agree with these guys. <laughs> we kind of covered a lot of that. Uh, virtu- you know, we've got some applications for virtual security stacks that kind of try to uh, centralize and manage all the data and applications. A uh, lot of different ways to approach it. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: One w- another project that we've been working on is uh, called Project uh, Glovebox, and the idea here is that we're using uh, virtual desktop uh, uh, technologies to get, give researchers access to the data, but it doesn't actually leave the envelope. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a pretty uh, useful uh, thing for us.
1: Yeah, just on top of that, we, so very similar, we've been working with some research facilities too. So instead of like transmitting all the data, you just submit your algorithm. Mm-hmm, Let the right. processing, we'll, we'll do the results, we'll mm-hmm. test it and we'll give you the results back, yes. but we keep the data there instead of sending that back for you to do yeah. your research work. Yeah, and
0: it's, it's oftentimes it's yeah. much more efficient to send an algorithm than to send a petabyte
1: oh, absolutely. to where the algorithm yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I know we're, we're running out of time, and, um, and I want to make sure that you guys have time to get to the next session. Um, and so I'm going to ask these guys a closing lightning question, and I'll let them think about it before they answer. Um, but if, if you guys were going uh, to, and you guys pull your phones out, and you could tweet this, but if, if these guys were going to tweet one thing you said today, what would it be? And, and we'll start with Chris. But before, before you guys think about it, give you give you a second? Um, so while, while these guys think about it, I want to make sure that this is, this is more than just an annual event. Um, the whole thing with power of participation, it's not just like a one time a year thing that we come here and we do this. We have events going on all the time. And I wanted to bring to your attention a couple of them that we have going on in the very near future. So next month, we have, uh, I don't know if you've been to DevNation earlier in the week, uh, but we have DevNation Federal. And it's going to be in the DC area on, on uh, July 28th. We've got the website, the agenda already up. So think of it as the uh, greatest hits of DevNation, but it's in the DC area, and it's a free event. Um, so please check that out. Um, the other thing is on October sixth, we have Defense In Depth. And I, I think this is the fourth time we've done this. Um, So as you guys know, October is National Cybersecurity Month, so hopefully you're getting your cards and putting a tree up and all that stuff for that. Um, But So in celebration of that, we always do defense in depth, and that is, again, sort of like the greatest hits of the the Red Hat Summit of all the security talks that we've done. And we're going to have engineers come in uh, to present, and we're going to do hands-on labs, and it's going to be really, really good. Um, And then lastly, on November 2nd, we have the Red Hat uh, Government Symposium, um, and and so those two events are uh, they're in the planning phases right now. And so what I really encourage you guys to do is follow uh, Red Hat Gov, and and uh, you know we we'll be letting you know when those events are going on. And with all that, too, it's like I want to make sure that you guys are reaching out to your your Red Hat counterparts as well, reaching out to me as well. Um, With with all of these guys on stage here, and many of you in the room, uh, we've been very fortunate to have such deep relationships with you all. And I am personally very thankful of that. Um, I know that uh, Red Hat is a better place because of you guys, and my life is better because of you guys. So I want to thank you for all that. Um, so with that, let's let's flip one more slide, and, and we'll do our lightning question. So, Chris, if people were going to tweet one thing yeah. you said today, what would that be?
1: Yeah. So, I like seizing these opportunities, and <laughs> I'm here in San Francisco on stage, yeah. right? So, I think it'd be remiss if I didn't do something like um, uh, Booze Allen, Red Hat, open source that makes the world a better place. All right, <laughs> for my Silicon Valley reference.
2: Nice. Okay. Amitai. All right. All right. Um, join your open science comrades <laughs> to fight disease. We need you. Met hash nice. Madbus.
3: All right. Okay. Jeff? Uh, open source is uh, often the most effective way for NSA to share tools and technology uh, with customers
0: and partners. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Let's give these guys a round of applause. And I want to thank you all for coming.